Hallo en welkom bij de Quickling Daily Cycling Podcast van de 2021 UCI Wereldkampioenschap in Vlaanderen. Hallo en welkom to Quickling Podcast Show 269 for Sunday 26th of September, the final day of UCI Road Worlds from Leuven. We've got Katie coming right up with her report from the Elite Men's Road Race, then Grey will rattle through the rest of the day's action as time is against us. First up, happy birthday to Cyril Gauthier of B&B Hotels, to Matthias Gelmos Jensen of Trek Segafredo, and to friend of the show Sam Freeman from Montezuma's race team. There's racing all over the gaff today, but we'll focus on Flanders, France, North Brabant and Northumberland. First up, here's Katie with the headline act of the day, the Elite Men's UCI World Championship Road Race. You can catch Katie across social media at RightBikeRepeat and at RightBikeRepeat.com. Here's Katie. Brutal racing from... So early on, it was almost laughable um, that it could continue in the way it did, and yet um, continue it did. So yeah, going back to the beginning, I mean, it, 178 kilometers to go, the attacks came. Um, obviously, we had a small breakaway up the road from some of the smaller nations represented there, including Rory Townsend um, from Canyon DHB Sun God for Ireland, and a handful of others. It clearly wasn't going to be their day um, when Remco and co um, attacked with just, yeah, just 178 kilometres still to go in the race. So I think he uh, went with Cosnefoir and one other. Um, I'm going to struggle with names because there were so many attacks. So apologies for forgetting individuals that were involved in various different attacks. So off they went up the road um, and it just kicked off the most incredibly um, hard day of racing. Proper Flandrian one-day classic style. Um, basically, if they couldn't stay with the pace, they were gone. Um, it was not going to happen. So yeah, and there were a few a few crashes early on. Mads Pedersen had some terrible luck. He crashed twice. Um, Ethan Hayter came down, but I think before even before the uh, action started, but he got back on again, thankfully for Britain. Um, Strong teams all round. Obviously, everyone was looking at Belgium. So Tim de Klerk and a few others made it up to the front group um, or the middle group, actually, at this point, because the breakaway was still away. So we had a middle group with Remco and Tim de Klerk and a couple of the Danes, uh, a couple of the French. I think the Italians missed out at this point, though. So they were the strongest team not represented in that group originally. Um And then we got some remonstration between de Klerk and Remco because Remco was pushing the pace extremely hard. This was what his job was, supposedly speaking, though. So I don't know. It was all um, really fascinating to watch it unfold. He was pushing the pace hard, but was he pushing the pace too hard too early? Um, Tim de Klerk definitely seemed to think so. And it proved the pressure um, got to all of them throughout the day and we started to lose people off the back and... Um, amazing displays of selfless teamwork from different nations. Um, Trentine put in an absolute monster effort for Colbrelli and dropped away. Um, Asgreen turned out to not be very well in the end. He put in an absolute monster effort to get uh, to bridge Valgren over to the a lead group. That was later on. Um, like I say, I, I kind of, I can't really summarize all the different attacks that went on because I, I literally need to sit down and watch the whole thing through again. Um, but needless to say, um, the attacks that kept coming through the various stages of the race um, were usually driven by the French um, and they were up there all day. And Alaphilippe himself um, made a number of attacks. 
uh, leading us to think that perhaps, um, you know, he was feeling pretty good uh, and was going to go for it. Obviously, all eyes were on Wout van Aert, the pre-race favourite. And so the Belgians continued their attacks um, and continued to be present in all the front groups. So when the final selection was made, um, Great Britain missed out, unfortunately. So they had to drive um, what was left of the, of the shattered peloton by then. We'd lost so many people at that stage. I think there were 90 or so that had dropped out by then. And uh, that proved to be pretty tricky. Tom Pidcock eventually bridged across by himself. And we had our final selection for the day, which included all the big names. Um, Van der Poel, Van Aert, Cobrelli, Mohoric. Um, there was... Valgrim, for the, uh, who turned out to be the Danes' choice for the day. Nielsen Paulus, Dylan van Bala, um, Holgaard, and let's see, Madwas as well for the French, and of course, Alaphilippe, um, and a handful of others. So it was a really select group of about 17 riders, I think, in the end, who worked on the front for the last portion of the race. So obviously it was going to be absolutely mad, um, and Remco really drove up the pace going into the final loops around Leuven um, and he absolutely rinsed himself and did an absolute legendary turn on the front. He didn't really perhaps need to go to that much into that much depth um, at that point in the race but there were others there willing to work um, but they didn't so he did it um, he did that job and yeah the rest is history um, with I don't even know how many kilometers to go because it's all a blur I was sitting on the edge of my seat by that point. Was it 15? Maybe something like that. Maybe even more. Um, Philippe dug in his trademark um, attack and he went away. And when he was away, that was it. We had a chasing group of four following, which consisted of Van Bala, Nielsen Paulus and Michael Valgren and Jasper Stuyven, who did close the gap. And gosh, they were really close at one point. Um, it was really... Yeah, quite close. Um, but Alaphilippe kicked again every time he thought that was it. Um, he's pulling his faces, uh, looking like he was done. He pulled it out of the bag again. Back in the third group now, which contained Van der Poel, Van Aert, Pidcock and Colbrelli. Um, we'd lost Mohoric by then. We had a few left, but they just, it wasn't going to happen. They started to look at each other. There was no cohesion. And I think that they agreed pretty quickly that they, well, by mutual agreement, I think they didn't have the legs to chase as a group. So that was day done um, for a lot of the big race, pre-race favourites. Um, Alaphilippe continued on, um, just put on a show as Alaphilippe does. It was amazing to watch. Um, and he crossed the line and took his second world championships in a row. Um, one day without the rainbow bands on, he obviously wasn't enjoying that sensation and decided to go grab them again for another year. And how well deserved it was. What an amazing performance from him. Um, and in terms of what followed, there was a, I don't even know if you could really call it a sprint. Um, obviously very tired legs by that point. We had, um, which way round was it in the end? Van Bala second, Vorgren third. And Stuyven obviously absolutely um, nothing left by then because he likely would have won in a sprint finish um, out of that selection, but he came fourth. Um, Paulus, unreal um, performance from him to finish fifth, which is the best performance by an American, I think, for um, well a long, long time, over 20 years, I think. And in sixth place, 
uh, Britain's Tom Pidcock, who decided um, to take matters into his own hands and rode away from Van Aert, Van der Poel, Cobrelli, um, to take sixth place. Um, he later admitted that he had better legs. Um, he should have gone. He just misjudged it tactically. He wanted to go earlier with Philippe, but obviously, tactically speaking, he felt it was best to stick with the favourites group. Um, and it didn't work out for him, which speaks volumes, really, of how um, capable he was of, of pulling out a result there. But um, yeah, so lots of fallout, um, unhappy Belgians, unhappy Italians, um, jubilant French, um, pretty proud Brits, I think, and Slovenians, probably surprising that they weren't higher up the order. Um, but yeah, so what a day, wow. Um, be good to chat about it at some point in a, in a wider context with some of the other guys um, and hopefully we can all chat about it together because it was really quite something, one of the best races I think I've ever seen. Um, so anyway, um, I hope that was a suitably informative roundup given that I haven't um, re-watched the race and tried to sort of log where all the attacks and excitement happened but it was really brutal so yeah, let's go back and watch it again and I'll have another talk about it. Fantastic. Lovely to talk to you all. See you later. Do the rest of the day's action and I'll start in France. A wise Flandrian once said, if a sprint happens in the woods and no one's around to see it, does Jasper Philipson still win? Yes, yes he does. The Alps and Fenix man won the bunch finish at the Parishoni Classic this afternoon, his fourth win in ten days, and getting revenge on one of the last two men to outpace him, pipping Alberto Dainese of DSM to second. Third for Andrea Pascalon of Intermarché at the climax of 205.3 kilometres in northern France. Last year's winner Nasser Bihani was in fourth, still waiting for that first win of 2021. In fact, his last victory was this race last year. So far this year, he's had six second places, four thirds, and one disqualification on his record. Staying in northern France, a mere 500 kilometres away, <laughs> La Tour de Bretagne wrapped up today with the seventh and final stage, taking the remaining 109 riders on a loop from Guité to Dinan. Taking his first one of the year after two second place finishes at this race was Tobias Lund Andersen of DSM's development team. In a two-up sprint with Bastien Tronchon of 82Rs under 23s, Jasper Hansen of Riuel unable to stay in touch, he took third. Jean-Louis Lenny of WB Fibolia Lochminet takes the overall despite a crash in the run-in today, being credited with the same time as Anthony Delaplace, who finished fourth at seven seconds. He climbs two second on GC behind Lenny as the race leader at the start of today to Bill Ferrasse of B&B Hotels. He lost 18 seconds and drops to fourth. Leo Hater best Brit overall with the stage two winner finishing twelfth on GC. In the Netherlands at Dorpenomlu-Urukven, a one-day 193km affair for the sprinters, there was British interest on the start list as Conti team Canyon DHB Sungod travelled over and SEG Racing Academy featured Tom Day and Sean Flynn in their seven-man team. Elias van Brusseghem of Tartalite Isorex took the win today with the best result of his career since he won Omlup Het Newsblad under-23s back in 2016. Kern Vermontfurt of Volko Vessels was second in the charge to the line, Martin Bulling of Biat Cycling in third. Flynn came home for a fantastic eighth, and Canyon got a top ten through Ryan Christensen. And finally in domestic action, it was the third and final round of the National Road Series, held in Northumberland over the famous Ryle circuit. Abby Smith of Tipco Silicon Valley Bank won the Curlew Cup race to add that to her win at Seacore Classic in round one, and sealed the overall series title. The men's race, the Beaumont Trophy, went the way of series leader Jacob Scott of Canyon DHB, who was in the nine-man early break that stuck it out, and the Sprint and KOM jersey winner from this year's Tour of Britain was the last man standing come the line in Stamfordham. 
There's just one race on the calendar tomorrow, a French national level one day affair, so we'll take the opportunity to catch up on some recent transfer news and preview the week ahead, which climaxes with Paris-Roubaix on Sunday. Hopefully you've enjoyed our coverage from Flanders this year. Sorry if some shows were out slightly later than you originally planned. The logistics were simply baffling. Until tomorrow, ride safe and take care. You've been listening to Quicklink Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news and results. You can find us across social media at Quicklink Pod, or you can contact us by emailing show at quicklinksports.com. You can support this show by using the code QUICKLINK when you shop with veloskin.cc for all your chamois cream and skincare needs, and also at efswheels.com where UK customers can get themselves a full set of tubeless-ready full-carbon wheels for under £500. Share the show, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye now.